everybody. Welcome. My name is Ariel Foxman, and I am with Seaport by WS Development. We're so happy to have you here tonight. It's so incredible to see a room full of so many well-dressed people. <laughs> I don't know what I expected, but well-dressed. Really, really beautiful. Um, so welcome. Welcome to our evening. Welcome to this event here at the Echelon in the heart of Seaport. Before we get into introductions, I want to give um, a couple of thanks to some of the folks who made tonight so delicious. Borchito, Techery, and Spirits. Woo! Love and Flower. If you haven't seen these Retail Darwin cookies, you must take them home. They're incredible. And our friends from Milestone Brands, Dolce Vita Tequila and Empress Gin. I've been talking about this purple gin now for a month. It's my favorite thing in the world, so you, if you haven't tried it, please try it tonight. Thank you also to our neighborhood's newest wine and snack pop-up bar, Alaleo. Everybody here tonight is going home with a $20 gift to be used at Alaleo seven days a week, 11 to seven, just here in the Supret courtyard. So we invite you to, to check out Alaleo as well. And of course, thank you to everybody here. The proceeds from your tickets tonight will benefit Dress for Success Boston. Um, a well-known organization whose mission is to empower women to achieve economic independence by providing a network of support, professional attire, and the development tools to help women thrive in work and life. So thank you for the work that you do. Now, it's my great pleasure to introduce tonight's esteemed panelists. Alexandra Wilkes-Wilson. Alexandra is a visionary serial entrepreneur, a real one. <laughs> they say that a lot, but you're a real one. An angel investor and an advisor best known professionally as the co-founder of Guilt, which absolutely transformed the e-commerce fashion landscape. She's a fierce champion of entrepreneurship and today is the co-founder and managing partner of Clarity, a consumer-focused growth equity fund. Welcome. Gavin, Gavin Mosley. Gavin's the co-founder of the Garrett Group. The Garrett Group includes concepts such as the Garrett, Boricito, Chill House, and Rocco's. Gavin is referred by his team as the glue that holds the ship together. I've experienced that. Gavin holds a hotel management degree from Cornell and handles all things operations, including the behind-the-scenes magic that keeps everything running smoothly and it keeps guests coming back. If you haven't been to Boricito, the taqueria and the speakeasy, it's just downstairs. Of course, there's tacos here tonight, but you must check that out as well. So welcome, Gavin. Sonny, Sonny Fleming, Chief Brand Officer of Randolph. Welcome. Sonny joined Randolph in 2021 following an extensive career in the footwear and fashion industry at New Balance 47, running her own brand development agency. Sunny continues to provide insight and direction to create new inline styles and push the limits on brand and product marketing and strategy at Randolph. We're so thrilled to have Randolph be in our pop-ups at The Current in Seaport right now. So welcome. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly Braybans. <laughs> it feels silly introducing these folks because everyone knows who they are, but nobody doesn't like it. 
Founder and CEO of Booty by Braybands, Kelly is a successful entrepreneur whose signature workout and athleisure brand, Booty by Braybands, goes beyond fashion, promoting body positivity by removing numbers from the shopping experience. Her passion for movement and connection has led to the opening of multiple stores, a thriving e-commerce website, a natural energy drink company, and fitness apps. Welcome. And last but not least, Susanna Tuarong, co-founder and CEO of SOS. Susanna stepped into the tech sector in 2020 from a background in finance and has since secured seven global design patents for SOS. Under her leadership, SOS was recognized in the Beauty Matter 2023 Future 50 list of beauty businesses that matter now and has been featured in publications like Women's Wear and Forbes. Let's give a warm welcome to all of our panelists. And finally, I'd like to introduce our two moderators and the hosts of the Retail Darwin podcast, available where all fine podcasts are downloaded. Karina Donoso, VP of... <laughs> VP of Retail Experience and Incubation at WS Development, and Taylor West, her colleague, Senior Manager of Retail Experience. Should be an incredible evening. You are in great hands. Thank you guys all for being here. This is such an amazing evening. Taylor and I, I mean, we're live. This is so amazing. This is crazy. Did we press the button? Is it on, Ryan? We're recording. Okay. So guys, you're live. You're in this, okay? So you can, you're a part of it. Um, we can't thank you guys enough again for joining us. We're in our season four recording of Founders. Um, we've already interviewed and it's available to listen to founders that are from Megababe. We've had Little Words Project. Project Polly. Yes. Woo! Go, Nikki. She's here. We've had Lavi Stylehouse and so much more. And so tonight we're taking this live and we have these five panelists that we're so excited to dive in and have a conversation with them that we hope will inspire everyone in this room. Um, so we're gonna, let's get this party started. All right, okay. let's do it. I feel like we could spend an hour just talking to each of you, um, but we definitely wanna just ground everybody in the conversation and how you all do so many different amazing things. You're such powerhouses in this industry but you have a shared experience of you know, growing brands, working with each other, overcoming hardships, and it's gonna be an amazing conversation. We can't wait. All right, I'm gonna do like my best Andy Cohen. I'm like, I've I feel watched... like Oprah with these cards. Yeah. I, you I... Look, yeah, you're like Andy. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a little like it's great. safari, but it's fine. No, it's fabulous. No, it's fine. It's fine. I'm, I'm like Maribel from Encanto. Yep. Yeah, we look great, let's go. All right, so, I know there are so many great ideas probably floating around this room. Um, we have so many amazing audience members who I'm just recognizing for the first time. But we want to start from the beginning and think about where do great ideas come from. So, Alexandra. Queen of ideas. Guilt. Oh, yeah. Guilt Come group? on, guys. Guilt. Like, this is like a huge deal. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let's start at the beginning. Yes. Let's go back. Okay. Yes. yes. All right. Guilt was one of the first digital retail platforms offering insider level access to a premium product at a value. Like groundbreaking, Crazy. What, how would you say? So disruptive. I mean, you did a great job, by the way. That was Thank a you. solid opening. Thank you. Okay, so can you tell us, where did this concept first come from? And then also, when you're at Clarity and you're meeting all of these incredible people probably coming to your desk every day with good ideas, how do you separate the good from the great? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. This is so much fun. I love being in Boston. Uh, before I tackle those questions, can I see a show of hands? How many of you are 
entrepreneurs or think they will be entrepreneurs one day? Okay, how awesome is that? Okay, so I'm speaking to my peeps. Um, so we started Guilt a long, long time ago, 2007, and the retail world looked very different back in 2007. Some of you were probably in elementary school. Um, and the way people shopped um, you know, was completely different. What we did was want to, we were five co-founders and we wanted to recreate the excitement of a New York City sample sale and bring it in an online format. And um, it, I mean, it was an amazing journey. I was there for from, from day one ideating for seven years. You know, I was there for seven years. Um, made many mistakes along the way, um, which I'm always open about, and um, did a lot of things really well. We grew at um, kind of a meteoric pace. Everything about guilt was fast. Our sales were fast. We grew fast. Revenue came fast. The 2008 crisis came, um, and we had to just be constantly innovating and launching and trying things and testing and failing. And failing wasn't a bad word. It was test and learn, test and learn, iterate, launch new countries, launch new verticals. Um, and it was a lot of fun, um, I'll tell you. And so if anyone actually really, because maybe it would be helpful to your own businesses, we did write a book back in 2012 called um, By Invitation Only, How We Built Guilt and Changed the Way Millions Shop. I wrote it with Alexis Maybank. So... Um, my co-founder and still one of my very best friends. We met in Boston, by the way, um, in, <laughs> in college. And um, I mean, as you all know, building a business is really hard. Um, it looks glamorous from the outside, but there are a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that go into it. And sometimes it can be lonely if you don't have co-founders and you don't want to confide everything into your team. Um, today, in 2023, I've done a lot of things since Guilt, and one of the things along the way that I'll mention is I've become uh, an angel investor or an advisor to over 80 startups, um, many that you might know and love, and especially if there were women coming out of Harvard Business School who had a consumer or tech idea, many of them would reach out to me for advice, and I usually get really excited by entrepreneurs and their passion, and so have been a part on the sideline of many journeys, like Rent the Runway and Birchbox and Carbon 38 and Tula and The Mirror, and um, those all happen to be female-founded. I do support dudes as well, but um, I just can't resist helping uh, female entrepreneurs. It, it touches a soft spot for me. Um, but now, fast forward, I partnered with a woman named Lisa Myers, who is um, an incredible investor. I met her when she was a partner at L. Catterton, and together we combined forces to create Clarity, which is a growth equity fund investing in um, consumer and what we call tech-sumer companies that have already figured out product market fit and need capital to scale. We are much more private equity-minded than venture, so we look for profitability, we look for EBITDA, um, and I'm saying it kind of with a smile uh, because three years ago, that might not have, not have been something all investors were saying, but I will tell you that even the venture capital investors are caring about profitability, and it's tough out there, as many of you probably know. 
Um, so hold on to your cash because it's not so easy to fundraise these days. Uh, but we're always excited to talk to entrepreneurs who have found product market, market fit. They're fulfilling problems, um, solving problems, fulfilling needs of consumers, and um, are excited to grow and scale. And I can share all the mistakes I've made along the way so that hopefully they won't repeat those. Okay, I want to hear one secret from you. What was one mistake you'll share with us? I know. I mean, in an early stage startup, it's like every day is hand-to-hand combat. I mean, things go wrong. I mean, I can't tell you how many sales would go live and the copy might be wrong or the MSRP might be wrong or the first time guilt was mentioned on the TV show, The View, we were so excited. Like, oh my God, we made it, we're on TV. And um, that basically put a tremendous pressure on our inventory because we were a membership model and our membership tripled from one day to the next. And then all of a sudden, everything we had was selling out within minutes. And so, yes, that's exciting. And it's, you know, I don't want to be like, cry me a river. Our membership grew, but it, it was upsetting because there were so many consumers checking out our site and then having a disappointed... Um, Exactly. So then I had to scramble and get more inventory. But, you know, you always learn from those moments. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Baptism by fire. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm going to switch it over to Gavin. I mean, you have been, I mean, one thing that I, that's really, we admire about, you know, everybody is the uniqueness of the space that you're in. But Gavin, I think we're all in awe of what you've done with the Gavin Group. I think, like, you have defined uh, a true brand. And I think that's really hard to come by. Um, And I'd love to understand a little bit of like what hospitality means to you. And also like how have you been able to differentiate the Garrett Group? You're asking for that that secret sauce. I want the secret sauce. You know, I I, I can't give you that secret sauce. I know it's on the tacos, but like I want it all. Give it to me. Um, my secret weapon is my director of operations, Mackenzie Gleason, right oh, there. Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, awesome. He's the reason why I can be up here talking to you and I can travel around and get inspiration. Um, it is the people. It is the people, is for sure. That's the easy one. Um, thank you for being here, especially on a sunny day. Um, I didn't attend a lot of classes in college, but I always attended the ones where people were speaking. Uh, And there's a great group of entrepreneurs here. You'll get some good nuggets. Um, I think the the secret weapon is, I mean, these days to open a successful restaurant, you have to have like some separation, right, from the group. It's a celebrity chef or a celebrity, a big firm, design firm or something like that. Uh, We don't have that. We have great talent, but what we do is focus on how we make people feel. Um, Maya Angelou, this, this quote, right? People don't remember what you say or what you did, but they remember how they made you feel. Um, that's kind of a personal motto I have too. That's why I'm able to get away with a bunch of shenanigans, I guess. But, um, but that's really it. Like it's, there's, to quote this other guy, uh, Jan Carlson, he wrote this book for marketing. It's called Moments of Truth. Um, it's like a marketing lingo. And we use a lot of that in our restaurant bars, where it's like, there's a moment of truth when you walk in, right? The signage or the, and then the lighting, the material, the textures. A lot of our places have a secret entrance, speakeasy, if you will, that's the term they throw around. Like our first project in 2014, 
the Garrett West above a five guys. You actually have to walk through a five guys, do a U-turn up the stairs, and then you enter this like really cool artsy spot, right? Um, another moment of truth would be the bathroom in that same spot. Uh, the bathroom has 99 doorknobs on it, okay? So you go in there and you don't know how to get out. You do, but <laughs> there's been some funny stories. Uh, and so we just look for moments like that. Um, and then again, it's, it's, I love kind of the inconsistency of an experience. You don't know what you're going to get when you come into some of my places. Uh, I've hired my struggling actor friends to come in and do a little scene in the middle of a, a restaurant, like a Top Gun like movie scene. Uh, and everyone thinks it's just so candid, which it kind of is, but it's not. It's completely <laughs> uh, orchestrated. Um, or I have like a friend that's a celebrity come in and like make an appearance and then people talk about it, then we plug it in page six. And so there's many different ways to do that, uh, but that's kind of our angle uh, in all of our spots. Um, what does hospitality mean to me? Hospitality is about service um, and serving others. Um, you know, we have six spots now and I'm in between all of them and I don't get a chance to actually be the front facing to the guest anymore. And so one thing we talk about in our company, me especially, if you're not serving the guest, you better be serving someone who is. Uh, and I really take that to heart, and that's why I hope Mackenzie would say I'm a good colleague and boss, and even the hourly employees as well. Um, I think that is super important. Um, I went to the bar the, to sit downstairs for the first time with my husband, and I met someone, and he said, I, 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 we were talking to the bartender, I said, where are you from? And he goes, I, I'm from Nantucket, I'm, I'm friends with Gavin, I'm, I, and I'm like, you, wait, I'm sorry, like, so you came from Nantucket to come to the bar to work, and he goes, oh yeah, I'd do anything for him. I love that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> Mackenzie, that's probably the nicest thing Terrence has ever said about yeah, me. Yeah, it was Terrence. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. That was him. That yes, was him. My husband and I were like, well, you're a fabulous bartender. They should keep you. He is. He's, yeah. a, he's a riot. He's, he's a riot. great. He's great. Um, and then I remember we were talking in the back about kind of how we define success as a, as a company. And it's like, obviously, you need to, to look at the quality product and, and the P&L and such. Um, but really, I don't personally look at the P&L as, as, as much as I probably should. Um, actually, this is being recorded, so I need to take that back, right? <laughs> Ryan, you guys does, should edit that. I do. Okay. But mostly, it, it's like I want each of my spots to be the best dinner party every night, right? Make the best dinner party. Like, I know when I walk into a spot, where, whether we're making money or not. Are people smiling? Is the, are the guests smiling? Are the turntables, are the turns happening? Are my employees smiling? Is the music going? Is there, is there movement or is it like a stagnant vibe? Um, and so I tell my team not to focus on the numbers uh, and just create a great dinner party. Um, and really that's how I think we dif differentiate ourselves from other people. Well, you, you do an incredible job of doing that. Thank you have you. quite a vibe, you have Thank quite a vibe. You. All right, so this one goes out to everyone or anyone who feels compelled. But um, like you're saying, Gavin, it's about the people, it's about the vibes. When we think about evolving our brands, we have to think about evolving our teams and all the things that go with it. So how do you guys think about building culture within your brands? Who wants Kelly, to take let's, it? Let's Kelly. hear from you. I feel like you have quite a culture. 
Um, okay, so this might be a long question, so I'm going to try and make it summarize it. But if you know anything about my brand or my background, I come from a big family. I'm one of seven. In culture, I'm half Brazilian, half American. My dad's from Boston. And I always say that story, and I feel like it becomes redundant. I'm like telling this whole story, but it truly is, culture is who I am. From the music that I listen to in Brazil to the Irish side and the intense work ethic from that, I, it's all about culture and creating an energy in your community. And I also think culture in a company setting, it's all, as a CEO, I want to attract the energy that makes me happy and that makes me my best self. And you need to be in an environment where you can excel, but also feel safe and feel accepted and feel like you can express yourself with no judgment. So I think that with culture, you have to surround yourself. It's like a friendship, and, and especially in a, brand, in a company setting, you need to surround yourself around people you genuinely trust and love and bring out the best in you, and you want to help them succeed, and it's a team effort. And then with the brand side, culture, it's, it all comes down to inclusivity. And I've been doing it for nine years. It'll be nine years in December. And inclusivity was one of the very first words I used nine years ago. I just want to include everybody. I want it to feel like a place where you can just come in and feel like you belong. You're my friend. You're my bestie. I say it now like you're my virtual best friend because I can't connect with every single person like I wish I could sometimes. And so with that energy and that intention of... I want to be a friend. I want to be someone you can trust. And it kind of is going back to what we'll talk about later. But you have to, it's, your vibe attracts your tribe. And it's the corniest quote. But it's, it's so quote. true. It's so true. And you have to be, and as a leader, we're all leaders, you have to be what you want to surround yourself around. And my culture is all about inclusivity and allowing people to be truly themselves. I grew up in a very like dance environment and this will be my last statement, in a competitive environment, team environment, and in my 20s, didn't go to college, and I was traveling to LA and New York, and I didn't feel like I had a community. And I just strive this connection, community, learning from others, listening. And so now with my brand, I just want it to be a place where we can do that and continue to do it. So yeah, that's, I hope that answers the question. I well, I think, you, I think you have killed it in that. I think you did a pretty yeah, awesome I mean, job. imposter syndrome is real. I think we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. But thank you. <laughs> Sunny, I see you looking at me. What's your take on culture? So my take on culture, I'm, I'm vibing a lot with what you're saying. And Gavin, what you said too, it's, it's not um, what you say or what you do, but it's people remember how you made them feel. And I came from a really large multi-billion dollar company and, and came over to a smaller brand. And I came to join my friends. Actually, they're here, and then hired some more of my friends. And we were able to create and bring our own culture into an amazing, amazing 50-year-old brand and sort of fuse both what was authentic and real and heritage and what was fresh and creative and new. And I think that coming from the footwear industry and bringing friends along that come from the fashion industry and kind of marrying that up with the engineering background for the company that we joined that had a military heritage and a very technical product. We have this cross-section of passion and that's where the culture kind of thrives. It's the passion for the, the quality, the craftsmanship, the engineering, and then the passion for the creativity and the consumer and bringing them along to come experience this amazing, relatively unknown brand. And so for me, the culture that I want to create for the team <laughs> 
you know, very much, um, like you said, is just really about making enough space at the table for everyone to have a seat and have a voice that you might not find in a large multi-billion dollar company, but having the table big enough for everyone who may be holding something back to speak up and making it feel like a safe and, and kind of an environment where anybody can, can speak up and thrive. So that's really what, what Randolph's culture is today, and I'm proud of that. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's yeah. like... I was going to piggyback on that too do it, do a little it. bit, Sonny. It was like the, I like that you use the word culture instead of brand as well, right? Because culture, it speaks to more of the values of a, of a company as well. Um, and so it, I think it's on and off site as well, right? Like it's how you treat your vendors, right? It's how it's, I talk a lot about with my employees too, how I, like we, the culture is like individualism at our spot because I love it. You don't know kind of where, what you're going to get. And I love hiring people that are good people, but also different people, right? Like I, I like, we try to set parameters like a point A and a point D and you can, as long as you stay between those parameters, right? Outside of that parameter is is disrespect or blame, right? But like, I like the I like the employees to stay between those points, but like innovate between the lines, um, and that gives that gives a culture and an understanding, and we embrace everyone. No frills. Come in, have a good time. That's kind of our motto, um, and so I like the inclusivity of it as well. Can I, can I chime in with one? Yes. More thing. Um, so I've been a part of lots of companies, and I think each company's culture is part of the DNA and makes it so exciting. And I do think now in this post-COVID, somewhat hybrid world, culture can be especially tricky. But um, at, at our fund, we get really involved in our portfolio companies. And our first investment was in a company called Dormify, um, if you don't know it, check it out. We actually announced today a partnership between Dormify and the Container Store. And Congrats. so Dormify, uh, which was really fun. I love the Container Store. Um, it was um, founded by a mother-daughter team, Amanda and Karen Zuckerman. And the idea came about when Amanda went to college. She wasn't that inspired by all the things, all the places out there in terms of what to buy to set up her dorm room. And so... Um, Everyone is spread thin. It's back to school season. They're really busy. And in about May, we all looked at each other and said, oh my gosh, we need interns. And everyone, you know, kind of put their finger on their nose like, not it. Don't have time to hire. And I'm like, okay, I got this. I'm going to hire the most amazing interns ever. Like, I'm, I'm usually looking at hiring CEOs for portfolio companies, but I'm happy to do the intern program. I put together a process. Within 24 hours, I'd call the list of 150 applicants down to 20, down to my six, my 10 favorite, and then the team picked the six favorites. And I will tell you, these interns are amazing. They are, you walk into the office, they are sun, smiling, sunshine, the best disposition. And my favorite part about them is that they are, their voice about what's cool for the college kid is, is the most important, more important than the... CEO, more important than VPs, board members, et cetera, because they, they know the consumer. They are the consumer. And so I think in general, in all the companies I've been a part of, um, I always want to welcome everybody's voice and opinion, especially consumers. Um, and it's not, the ideas can't just come from the top. 
I love that. Can, can I just quickly jump in and please add? Please do. I would yeah. dying to hear from I you. Okay. I have a lot to say about culture, but I just want to piggyback on the intern comment. Um, at SOS, we are a very small seed stage startup, so we have a small team and a very um, sort of controlled culture, I would say. We, my co-founder is not here. She's here in spirit. She's on the West Coast. Um, we both left finance and corporate America. And I think with every culture, there's no right culture, right? There's a right culture for your company and your objectives. And so we left corporate and jumped into, you know, a seed stage startup. And there were things that we did not like about the careers and the culture that we left. But we also, now that we've been in this journey or on this journey for the last three years, we know that there are things that were really valuable about it. So right with a culture, it's like introducing and understanding your background. What, what worked from your prior career, your prior role, your prior company, try to take the good parts with you and leave behind the bad. And every single person on the team comes with a different background, whether they were have always been in a startup culture. That means that they don't have the understanding of a corporation or a large business. And so there isn't, I would say, some people live or die by entrepreneurship or startup culture. And I think being able to holistically look and say there's, you know, corporate America and startups like both bring to the table some really valuable aspects of culture that should both be sort of combined to create the optimal um, environment. But quickly, I don't know if there are any Northeastern grads here, but SOS has been um, really lucky to be working with the co-op program in, uh, for the last few years. And I think to your point, those young voices in the room have really helped us sort of transform the way we talk and think about our business and definitely have and bring ideas to the table that are very much not my generation. So I very much appreciate when they, when they speak up. It's really valuable for us. I completely relate. Most of my team are in their 20s and I am always like, tell me more. Like, how do you use TikTok? So I very much... I have learned, thank you so much, so much. Um, thank you guys, that, that was really awesome. Kelly, I'd love to, I, I, well, Kelly and I, we go way back. We, we're, we know each other for six years. I've, I've been blessed to work with Kelly on her first retail location. We've done over nine openings together. Um, I'm a mega fan, and I've never seen lines, lines of humans at, a, at, a, at an opening. I've never, ever seen anything like it before. Your community shows up, and you're not, you are so personable, you are so approachable, and I, I've been lucky enough to work with your teams, and I'd love to dive in more about that culture that you created, and I know you touch on it a little bit more, um, but tell, tell, what is that secret sauce for, for BBB? Because I will say also, I, I am guilty, I, I followed Kelly for many years, and I took your first, I took a class at that BB, that boss, oh my God. It was crazy. And I almost died. It was like the hardest workout class I'd ever taken. And then when I met you, I was like, these leggings like truly do fit everybody. So t tell us, like, what, what have you, how did you do this? Oh my gosh. So this question means so much to me. And thank you for asking this because you know how much I care about my people. And I think that's, I guess that probably is what my secret sauce is. I care so much. And my heart symbol is not just there to be the butt. It just is. It, it worked with the booty, but <laughs> <laughs> it was two little butt cheeks, if you can't tell. But <laughs> I, since I was little, everyone says you just you do everything from your heart. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it can be a bad thing. Cause I'm I just run off of passion and love. And I, when I do, when I'm in the right place and I'm doing what I truly am passionate about, I give it my entire heart. And since I've started until now, a lot has changed. You know, I've grown a business. I didn't go to business school. I was just, 
I put on the CEO hat. I had no idea what that meant. I was selling leggings out of my apartment until I finally got 200 square, a 200 square foot little warehouse storage unit, um, just shipping out of a post office. And now I have a team of 50 employees and we're manufacturing in, out of Brazil. And so long story short, all of that business stuff is great. But what, what hasn't changed is my connection with my customer. And it's a friendship. And people sometimes come up to me and they're like, how does, do you know each other? And I'm like, no, just, it's just, we just, we just have this thing, you know, yeah. you just get it. And when I see someone wearing leggings, it's just this connection. And where I think it stems from is transparency. I've, I'm a very transparent person and I've, I'm a people pleaser too. So it kind of works. I'm really honest. I'm genuinely myself, but I also want to make people happy. And I loved what you guys have been saying about making people feel something because leggings and material things are just that material. And I, find, I always say about my brand that we're so much more than a pair of leggings. I want someone to feel something. I want to impact someone's life, even if it's just by the post on Instagram, by my caption, by the way I smile at them, by the compliment I give them, or by the workout that I just did and someone left feeling much lighter. It's that true feeling, that is my purpose. And that purpose is so strong that even through the ups and downs of business and all of the downs and then the ups and the downs, having that flame in your belly and that your heart and your purpose with anyone that's listening, if you have a business, you have to have that. You have to have, and the word your why is being overused, I, I feel. Everyone's like, what's your why? And then we just throw something random out there. But you really have to dig deep and figure that out for yourself. And you don't have to post it, you don't have to tell anyone, you have to feel it so deep that no matter how many times you fail, that flame, even if it's you know, not burning that hard that day, it's in there. And your purpose and your why is so clear that you don't even have to think about it, you just go. And going back to the, I hate using the word cult following, but I appreciate it because I'm, I'm just so grateful. Every speaking thing I do, every class I take, it's truly not for me, it's, it's for hopefully I can impact someone's life through my workout, my words, my leggings. And in that, I'm fulfilled. I feel purpose and I feel successful. And I, you know, I think in the pandemic, and I don't even want to go back that far, but it was, an, it was my chance to truly bring the wall down and say, here I am, take it or leave it, sweating on the screen, just jumping around. My bun would be like to my side and I would be teaching classes for 2,000, 3,000 people in my living room. And I just allowed myself to be so vulnerable. And it was the first time in my life where I realized people love aesthetic, but they love real more. And you can buy followers, but you can't buy a true loyal following. It takes a lot of time. You can go viral overnight, but you're not gonna sell product unless you make a connection with your customer. And it's so important. I'd rather have 20,000, 5,000 really loyal, invested customers than have 5 million. And take that and truly know that whatever journey you're on today, whatever business you're doing and whatever part of the journey you're on, know that, just cultivate that. Always think growth, always think five years ahead. Be ready for worst case scenario. Always have your guns loaded. Not to bring, sorry, not to talk about guns, but you know, I have to be careful with how I say, but you know, have your shit together 
just in case. But wherever you're at, cultivate those people. You have 20 people in the restaurant. Make sure those 20 people are having the time of their life. Because in that word of mouth, oh my God, guys, come over here. Let's do it. Or, oh my God, these leggings are amazing. You need to buy them. Your people are your people. They're your best customer. Take care of them. Make sure you're there. Your number one priority, customer, is always the most important person. And for me, it's like I will stand for five hours and give hugs and listen to every heart and have heart-to-hearts with I've seen you do a it. million people until I can't walk anymore. And I'll be like, can we just take a seat? Yeah, I've seen you do it. And that just goes back to cult following. And I just, again, one more time, because I just don't want to talk so much on my experience because I want to help whoever's listening on how you get people to really buy into you. Yeah. You have to be you, and you either have it or you don't, and there isn't really a degree you can get to have that secret sauce. You just have to have it in you. You have to be in the right place, doing the right occupation, and connecting and being authentically yourself. So I hope that That's great. answers. Yeah, question. that answered it. Thank you, I'm really, That was a good one. That was great. Thank you. That was awesome. Well, Kelly, one, one last thing. You mentioned five years. So where do you see BBV in five years? Well, I'm not going anywhere, hopefully. I always say joke in my classes, I'm 33 now and getting married and hopefully starting a family. But I'm going to do my classes until the wheels fall off. So like, (laughs) until people stop wanting to work out with me, I'm going to continue to do it. But in five years, I would just love to be more um, at the top of the industry when it comes to athleisure. I talk about all these nice things and I, I truly, that is my passion. But we have a great quality product, and we, we have great manufacturing, and we have a really strong team, and we are very legit when it comes to athleisure. And so I would just like to be more stores, maybe with WS. I would love to maybe Tampa, Denver. We were talking about it. Yeah. Um, and I just want to have more customers, grow more lines. I expanding and yeah. Just, awesome. Uh, Sky's the limit. Whatever the universe has in store, I'm ready. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Suzanne. Huh? you're next so for those who haven't experienced an amazing thing that is the SOS machine I'll tell you a story Um, the other week this is true also I thought I was going to be you know so fit and cool in Seaport and go for a run well I didn't bring a hair tie which is like a cardinal sin since you are like a chia pet and you have so much hair in your head I don't know how you go for a run without one but yeah you can't you can't be running around Seaport without a hair tie and I was like oh let me just see about the SOS machine in District Hall. And you guys had hair ties. It was, it's right by the bathrooms. They're, they're the most amazing. Wait, do we need to ground everyone? Does everyone know what an SOS machine is? Raise your hand if you oh, don't. Let's, it, it let's is, educate. It is literally like a beauty vending machine. Is that how you would explain it? We call them smart vending machines, but that's, I'll take that. It's the smartest vending machine so I've smart. ever been to. Yeah. Anyway, it's the most intelligent vending, vending machine I've ever seen in my life. My, it's so chic. My story was going to be that I got a hair tie out of a vending machine and it saved my day. Yes. But anyway, you are at the intersection of so many cool things. Beauty, tech, convenience. You're an expert in all of these areas. Where do you see the industry and SOS and convenience and vending machines going in five years? All right. How much time do I have? <laughs> um, You're good. 
Well, thank you, obviously, all for coming here today. This has been great so far. And I hope you leave those of you who don't know about SOS with some motivation to go find one and see one in real life, because they are awesome and incredible. Um, but in terms of innovation, I think there are a lot of themes that have already been talked about today that relate very much to what I think we at SOS think is going to drive the growth of our company and also the future of the way the built world um, shows up for people. And I think we left our jobs, my co-founder and I left our jobs in a million square foot grade A commercial tower. We were traveling for work all the time, nationally and internationally, spending our money and our precious time in spaces like dining, entertainment venues, transit hubs, and offices, and consistently just felt like our needs weren't being met. And in terms of you know, we're talking about customers. How about your employees or the people who are passing through your space or dining in your restaurant? Like, how do you make those people feel exceptional and excited and happy and seen? And my co-founder and I said, you know, for starters, how about you make sure that you're thinking about the needs of those people in the spaces where they're spending their time? And honestly, that should matter to everyone in this room, whether you're an employer, whether you're a retailer, whether you are a business owner, how people feel and making sure that they are taking care of when they're spending time in your space is of the utmost importance for retaining talent, for recruiting talent, for retaining customers and, and growing your business. And so we built SOS to basically create a world that we wanted to live in. We want a world where whether you're at work or in the seaport or in a retailer, if you have your period or you need a hair tie or a deodorant wipe or you want to try a cool new product from Megababe or Kosas, you actually can access it in the most convenient, exciting, elevated fashion. And I would say in terms of trends and innovation and what we think is going to drive our business to grow, we're seeing a huge amount of interest and activity in employers and retailers and real estate owners and managers actually starting to prioritize thinking about these needs. And that's hugely beneficial to everybody. So we're seeing commercial real estate partners, sports and entertainment groups, all starting to reach out and ask about getting SOS into their spaces. And I think in terms of innovation, COVID had a huge impact on the real estate sector, um, and everyone needs to be thinking about how to make their spaces better, safer, and more pleasant to spend time in. Drawing people back into stores, drawing people back into the office, it takes a lot more innovation and effort. And SOS is an incredible platform and network that any of these partners can bring into their spaces and immediately make people happier immediately make people say, oh my goodness, a free tampon from a brand that I've heard about and I love and has clean ingredients, or I forgot my sunscreen and now I have access to one from a brand that's cool and I've wanted to try, um, a free sample from a cool company, um, all alongside digital content that's relevant. Um, it just makes your day better. And again, bringing that feeling of like excitement and just joy and why not have it be easier? Why not have it be better? Um, Is everything free? So not everything is free. We do a lot of free samples and free period care in every machine. So tampons and pads are always free in every machine in every location. And, yeah. and let me tell you, if you want to have a sidebar about that, I'll go on and on. Um, but yeah, the, the real estate space and kind of locations and the demand for innovation in those spaces is a huge driver behind our business. And I'll go really quickly through a couple other kind of themes that I'm seeing that I think are going to be hugely impactful to growing SOS and our, our network. And one of them is brands, um, DTC and disruption in how brands are investing in marketing their, their products. Um, I talk probably several times a week to brands that are spending 
half a million million dollars on still on Instagram and Facebook advertising and the return is plummeting and their investors are not happy <laughs> and they're you know, facing new pressures. And so SOS is a product distribution and media and marketing platform that is an out-of-home place-based tool. And so what I'm seeing in terms of brands' needs and things are gonna drive, and brands are looking for innovative products and innovative tools and methods to acquire customers because what has been working is not working right now. And so innovation in this marketing space and product discovery space for customer acquisition is hugely important right now. And SOS is a fantastic way and tool, sort of right time, right place, that we have invested and built a product that suits the needs of brands right now. Um, and then I would say, what was my last, my last thought? Brands, locations, oh, retail. This is really important, right? I would, yeah. Let's get to the retailers. Um, commerce media and retail media and what brick and mortar stores and retailers are starting to do and think about increasing revenue and revenue drivers in their spaces. Um, you're probably seeing and have read headlines if you're following all of the major retailers are launching media networks. And so that means screens in stores. No longer is it just like end caps or you know, product placement on a shelf. It's also gonna be media opportunities in store that are driving dollars for retailers and also sales for brands. And SOS slots perfectly into, again, this space. We have product discovery and media combined in one. And I'm very excited we'll be launching with one of the largest national beauty retailers in the fall in 10 markets. So we'll be coming to San Francisco, LA, Austin, Dallas, New York, and Can Boston. Can you tell us who? I can't say who, but um, I'm pretty sure you all know them. And we'll be in store. So we are going to be some of the first screens that this retailer introduces for brands to use and utilize to acquire and access new customers. So super excited about that. Um, stay tuned. Yeah. That's amazing. I had a follow-up question. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. It's about pricing. I went by today. I didn't realize it was going to be so sunny out today. Um, and so I went and got a, or tried to get a little like sunscreen, and it was $5. And so how do you, pr I would have paid 10 for it. Yeah, I th all of the products in our machine, if they're not free, they're single-use or deluxe sample size products. So the MSRP entry point is always going to be more approachable than a full size. So we carry premium prestige emerging brands, brands that I love and I know or I'm excited about as a founder, buy me for me business. Um, and I think that's exactly right. For $5, a sunscreen is, that's gonna make your day better. You don't feel like you're getting price gouged. You have a product you need. You're not gonna get sunburnt, sun damage. Nobody wants that. Um, and that's kind of our ethos. We don't wanna take an opportunity to charge $5 for a tampon because someone really needs it. Like that's the opposite of, the experience that we want to deliver. And so you can approach an SOS machine and find products from free to you know, upwards of at the premium higher end, like a, you know, in the $20 range. But I think Megababe, which Karina, I know that you interviewed um, Katie, is a partner that we've worked with and we offered a, you know, a mini Megababe product that was a great entry point, like a very affordable way to try a product, discover a brand. And um, I think it was an incredible opportunity for Megababe to work with us. That's amazing. I, you know I'm a huge fan. I love an SOS I do. And, and WS and your team has been a big part of our journey. We launched our first machines in 2020, including right, right down the street at District Hall. That machine is still there. Machine number one, if you want to go Ooh. take a selfie. Yeah. Do you have um, the 
best time choosing the products? I oh, it's, I mean, our our office, our warehouse is full of products. We get samples. We have to test. I'm them. happy to come anytime yeah. you need. I just want to let you know I can send you my calendar. I'm I'm available. R- Robina, again, my co-founder is not here. She's always like, "Are they sending samples? Are they sending samples?" I'm like, "Yeah, they're sending samples." So um, it's definitely a perk of the job. Um, I'm a product. Um, junkie, love products, love trying stuff, and a uh, big perk of the job. Questions. Anything other than consumables? Anything other? We definitely want to stay focused in the wellness space. So we have hair care, skin care, cosmetics. We've done PPE, obviously, with COVID. That was important. Hair care, period care. Um, we did actually do, which I think is interesting to you. We did a press on nail collaboration, um, which a limited edition kind of pop up press on nail. We got a nail. competitor. Yeah, we do. We need to. T- we need to talk. Um, but so we do have the ability to sort of do pop up activations with non standard products. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, I, Sunny, I'm so excited to talk to you about Randolph. Did I? I I have followed Randolph for many years because I had once an American-made company, and so Randolph was an inspiration to me and my business partner at the time. And for those that don't know about Randolph, this is a luxury-made product here in the U.S. Like, what what product, what other product out there is made here in the U.S.? And also, in like, you're here in Massachusetts, which is just so powerful. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about the history of Randolph, um, and how you think about staying at the forefront of the industry while maintaining your legacy. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, big question. Yeah, no, all good. Um, so Randolph is truly um, an American dream type story. Uh, we have, our, our two founders have um, since passed, but had founded the company um, together. So they had met um, working in a machine shop. They emigrated here from Poland. When you said you were Polish, I thought, we could connect on that. Um, and um, they met in a machine shop working in South Boston. Both of their backgrounds have been in the trades in Poland. And it's sort of like a vocational type school um, is what they would have experienced back then. And came to America. It was hard times for sure. Um, but they, they did meet in South Boston, working in a machine shop together and um, in the optical trade, which was really huge in New England at that time. Um, just after World War II. Um, there are companies like Bosch & Lom making Ray-Ban, so big, big brands that were all made here in the New England area in Massachusetts. Um, they were very, very scrappy. Um, they uh, realized that um, in, in working the machine shop, making tool, tools for the optical trade, that this was something they could probably do themselves in terms of making the actual machines. They were making the tools anyway. And so they started um, in their basements and, and getting scrap metal that was in the scrap yards for free um, and eventually kind of started to pull together the opportunity to, to open their own shop. And with that, they sold a lot of their belongings, almost everything from property to anything they could, they could sell to get some funding um, and self-funded their own startup um, in Randolph. And so that is the reason why the name of our company is Randolph. We're still based there today. Um, we still have equipment that the owners, founders made. We have second and third generation in the business. Um, and we've been there this year is our 50th anniversary, so since 1973. Congratulations. So um, that was, that's kind of the history. Um, and the uh, moment, I think we, you just had written about evolution. We were talking earlier about evolution. 
of a brand, um, the moment that was really the turning point for them was they, they uh, were able to secure a military contract to make military aviators for the United States Air Force, which we still have a relationship with the military uh, 41 years today um, that we've been a supplier for the US military. And during the time of the Gulf War, a lot of the uh, military personnel wearing aviators overseas and our founders saw this opportunity um, with the reaction from more of the fashion cities in the world in, uh, overseas and the response they were getting from the aviators, they just saw a great opportunity to go into fashion. Um, I say that fashion found us um, more so than we pushed ourselves into fashion, which is really the, the only way to really have a 50-year brand get adopted by, by the fashion space. So. Um, that's where we're at today. You know, we're really um, embarking on a journey into the fashion space over the last few years, kind of put some real firepower in the back of the room, um, which is my team. Woo! <laughs> um, not go a day without them at this point. It is um, just truly, like you said, working with your friends and sort of a brother and sisterhood that we have. Um, we've been going back and forth to New York, meeting with partners, launching collaborations, things that the brand never really was able to execute, we've been able to kind of really come together and execute on, and our founder has been fearless in allowing us the space to make that happen. So um, we do have a pop-up in the seaport right now, so I hope that everyone will come by. We're in the tiny homes in the current. And the, the styles are amazing, yeah. I feel like I could, we could use some with this glare I, I coming in right now. I could use one, but they're, I mean, they're so chic. You, you guys, I mean, the brand really has evolved so much, and you guys, you're doing such an incredible job. Like, I, I when you opened, I was like, oh my God, this is just, it's, it's, it really has evolved, and it's, it's, you're a big part of that. Thank you. We, we do believe that it was always a diamond. It's 50 years old, so we didn't come in and reinvent what they do. It's a military spec, our two kind of main core products, which we call our icons. Um, but we know that we just needed to put the shine on that diamond. So we're really proud of, of where the brand is at right now. Um, and we're really excited to see it keep moving forward. So um, yeah, I owe it to my team who half is here right now. So I'm really appreciative and grateful of them. I, I just want to jump in because I saw the product in the back room before we came out and blown away. The glasses and shades are beautiful. The first thing I thought was like, are these in vogue? And sure enough, like the list of celebrities who are wearing them, shoots that they're in, like it's not surprising because if you see the product, I was truly blown away and I'm going to be ordering a pair for myself. So I, love um, that. I just, I, I don't know if it's, it's, sometimes it's hard without seeing a product in person to like understand and wow. Like, first of really, all, are you in sales? Because <laughs> I love what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, but I really that's the thing. I will, go, so I will literally go get you new customers like tonight because um, I was so impressed by the quality and just the aesthetic. So beautiful. So I will say that our brand being this very quiet luxury, you know, very understated for all these years, um, founded and rooted in engineering and military heritage, um, we, we do have that um, reaction from our customers and when they do have a chance, and the reason why we did the pop-up is really to give our customers the experience, and Gavin, you were talking about experiences, to come and try on our product. And once they do, if you haven't bought them in the past and are already a customer, they do feel incredible. People fall in love with the quality. Um, Truly, uh, and so we're really excited again to just have that space. And we have people coming from all over. We have we had customers in there last weekend who drove from New York just to try on the sunglasses. So it's it's 
incredible. And every every day, every you know time I get a chance to get in front of consumers and listen, I'm blown away by the reaction from very high-end fashion designers and creatives in in the fashion space to people, you know, everyday people. So it's um. It's been incredible. It's really been awesome. So I hope you guys will all come by and check us out in the C4. Can I, can I jump in with one last sales point? <laughs> please, please do. <laughs> the first thing I thought was like, who in my life is going to get a pair of these as a, like the nicest gift ever? And then you shared that you can actually have them engraved, which to me, I'm just like, they seem so special. I'm from Boston. I grew up in Cambridge. Like, I cannot wait to think of who's going to get this like gift from me because I feel like it's so special, especially for community or people from Boston. Um, yeah, huge fan. Love that. Thank you. So if you listen to season four, one of our favorite questions to really dig deep on is, are there any bumps in the road that you've encountered or how did you overcome them? And I think you guys have a lot of experience in overcoming just the inevitables. Um, so maybe Alexandra, I can start with you and ask, when you encounter a bump in the road or when you have in the past, has there been a North Star? How do you guide your teams through that? Of course there are bumps in the road. Um, that's part of the, the journey. I, I think probably the most recent one to share would be so I've I've been a three-time founder and that now as I mentioned have a fund and um, first-time fund partnered with another woman we had never worked together before so two GPs working together for the first time and even though we both are very fortunate and have impressive pedigree and relevant experience and backgrounds. I, I said before, I think she was a partner at L. Catterton, which is arguably the best consumer fund out there. Um, it was really hard to raise a fund. And um, if you think it's hard to raise money as a founder, like multiply that exponentially times a million, and that's what it is to, to raise money for a fund. I mean, I, I actually think raising money as a founder for a startup, if it's a good idea and you're the right team, it's not that hard if you can prove yourself because there's always gonna be investors who will back a first-time founder. Meanwhile, first-time fund, a lot of the rejection that first-time funds will get will be around, we don't invest in first-time funds, we don't invest in GPs who've never worked together before, we don't invest if you don't have a relevant track record you can port, the list goes on and on. And there's a lot of talk about backing women, and I'm actually Cuban, so, you know, we, diversity, you can read a lot of articles about um, money supporting diverse emerging managers. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but that didn't stop us. So we plowed ahead, and it was COVID, and had a lot of investors who, you know, had, had said verbally, oh, I'll put in five million, I'll put in 10 million. And then when COVID started, they panicked and said, you know, I can't, I can't, um, I can't commit to that amount of money. And so we did not take no for an answer and we kept plowing ahead. And maybe the initial plan we had of who were we, we were going to target had to change. And I'm, um, you know, every success I've had in my life, I've worked really, 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 really hard for. Um, I'm, I'm not lucky, I'm a hard worker, and, and I'm very proud of that work ethic, and I try to instill that in my two kids. 
And um, in the end of the day, the group of investors that we got were so much better than what the original plan had been because yes, we maybe have more investors than we initially thought we would, but we have um, about 40 founders who've invested money, which is incredible for our deal flow and it's incredible for our diligence and really helpful one day when we're ready to think about exits. And we have a really diverse LP base. We have a very international LP base. We have a ton of women on our cap table. So um, it, it end, sometimes you just, when the going gets rough, you have to have that faith, which is always easier said and done after you get through it. But you have to have faith that things are meant, whatever happens is meant to be. And, um, and, and I really... I really believe it. So, you know, I always like to shoot for the sun, the moon, and the stars, but you can't always get to that, and, and that's okay. But for me, I always want to know what is my goal. Let me do everything I possibly can to achieve that goal. And if you don't reach the goal, that's okay. We can't, you can't achieve every goal you have, but, but you got to go for it. That's awesome. Did you want to uh, Just solid advice. Solid. I, I mean, yeah, I love that. Gavin. What about you? Do you have a North Star that you guide yourself through or your teams through? No, I, I, a North Star like, just that gets me through it. I'm, Kelly probably follows her, her booty around. <laughs> 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 um, or her heart. Um, honestly, I just, we just kind of go with the gut, I guess, really. Like, um, during COVID, so we have five restaurant bars and then one spa. Um, and it's basically we had to figure out people weren't coming into the spa anymore, right? We always wanted to get into more, some more products. Um, and this launched the chill tips we were talking about, um, which now the products are more than double sales than in the brick and mortar. Um, and so that was a, a real strong pivot. I don't think it would have happened for years had COVID not happened. And so that was a silver lining. Um, but it was a risk because we started putting a lot more funds into it and we weren't sure how it was going to go but then we saw it and now we're in now we're in target and so it's been going well um but it was just kind of like the gut feeling really um also borachito the brand that we have downstairs we're sitting on (laughs) um that was originally a concept in new york where it was a kind of reverse speakeasy where you walked into the bar and there was a little 20 seat restaurant in the back COVID happened, couldn't walk in. Uh, we allocated, reallocated a bunch of funds to kind of flip it into what it is now where the taqueria is in the front and the bars in the back so that people, could, they wouldn't have to walk in. They could walk up to a street facing and that's what we have here in Boston now. Uh, and so we didn't know how it was going to go, but just kind of went with the gut. And so right now we're dealing with, you know, we've had some, track record of success and so now we we're debating going to what city do we want to go to next right is it a big market like a miami or something or or like there we go or or west palm beach we're really looking at right because a lot of people are have have moved there we think there's some but it's or do we just kind of double down what we know in in new york um and i don't have the answer but i'm gonna just sit and be patient and kind of like just ride that and that's that's a big I would say advice to I have to, to younger entrepreneurs is like we kind of this generation wants like instant gratification and like they they don't sit in a older 
generations would work in a company for 20, 30 years, right? Whether that was right or wrong, I like now you can kind of be a, a DJ and a business person and like XYZ, uh, and that's good, but I would say kind of sit in a job, even if you don't like it, like learn from it, know that you're not gonna be there forever. Obviously there's extenuating circumstances, but you can learn and like sit in it at least for like nine months. Cause otherwise if you just jump and ship every six months, that doesn't look good either. Um, but like have patience. And I got to tell myself that right now, like there's deals that are put on my desk every week for, for things. But it's like, now I, I kind of like saying no. Um, and that when uh, we'll know it as a team when it's like in the gut and we got to do that. But I'm thinking Miami's the move. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, do you have a North star? I'm going to play off of actually both of you, but definitely the gut feeling is probably my North Star, and I guess just always coming back to myself and just knowing who I... You just really have to be strong and knowing who you are, and having patience is not a strength of mine because I just move way too fast. And I, like you said, I've worked really hard for everything, and in a way, through the obstacles... I have this sense of pride and almost the strength that I've built through all of this work that I've put in that at this point, I've, I'm not going to fail because this is, I've worked so hard to get here. Whatever the future looks like for me, I feel strong in, my, in who I am and what I've already done. And so that is kind of my, just like that reassuring yourself, really knowing your worth, your value, what you have to offer is all great. But I also think pivoting is super important. And when you're in a business, bringing back to COVID, I was doing in-person classes and I had two brick and mortar stores. Within one day, everything shut down. And my e-commerce brand had just kind of, it, was, it had launched, but my website wasn't to where it needed to be. And overnight, instead of me being upset, I just turned on my phone. I went live on Instagram. I had no idea what I was doing. I couldn't do any of my photo shoots for my launches. I had a, a ton of inventory that got dumped from Brazil about two weeks before, on March 9th. Um, about 10,000 pieces of inventory that I had to sell with no photos. My website, I didn't have a great developer at the time, and I only had a team of five people. My sister being my partner, and my dad being my team like really it was my brother my dad and I had two outside um, customer service people just to, to, to do fulfillment and that day I turned my phone on and I just was fearless because my only option was to keep going you, you just you can't think too much you just got to keep fighting and going and I turned my phone and all of a sudden I did all selfies to get the content up I had to get the photos up so that I could sell it and in 17 minutes I sold every single piece of inventory Woo! And That's crazy. I don't talk about it that much because it is, you know, it's, it's something you should, you should celebrate your strengths and successes. It was an overnight. I was on Shopify. I had built my website pretty much myself just using a developer that I had known and we were up all night long trying to figure out how to edit the photos. And I'm like, I was using myself with the, as a model and I was just so unsure of myself, but there was a gut instinct inside of me that said, Kelly, do it. If people are going to be haters or if you're not going to get a great great feedback, you, got, you have to do this because you can't let 10,000 pieces of inventory just sit in a warehouse and collect dust because we don't know how long this pandemic's going to go. And then with my live, live classes, I grew um, 60,000 followers in like a month and a half. And yeah, and, the, and from there, I started a workout app that flourished. And then through the workout app, I was drinking energy drinks. And I said to my sister, we should start an energy drink company because 
people are always asking me, how do you get so much energy, but let's make it really healthy. And we launched this two years ago. We actually just celebrated um, our two-year anniversary with this huge launch in it pretty much sold out. It's an all-natural, it's called Body by Braban. It's an all-natural energy supplement that you can put into water. But I would have never even thought of that. I would have just been probably doing leggings now if I didn't have that pivot, that gut feeling to say, let's do that, listening to my customer and saying, you know, this, this, you can either go two ways when the going gets rough. You can either hide and run or you can just face it head on and say, I'm... I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going. And I think that's really important. That's awesome. And that's my North Star. That's, that's pretty strong. I love that. <laughs> Susanna, what do you got? Yeah, so I think similar to a lot of what you're hearing um, about, what are we calling them, challenges, roadblocks. Um, COVID was, we launched our first machines in January. That 20- damn virus really yeah. had a... Janu- January 2020 in public access Boston-based real estate locations. So within three months of launching, literally our business was shut down, like locations were locked. And we had that moment of either, basically we were part of the Techstars Boston cohort that um, that spring and every mentor, leader, company in our cohort was like, SOS is screwed. <laughs> like retail, real estate, like they are, in trouble, and we actually, as opposed to sort of turning our backs and you know hiding, we realize that our north star is people need products and brands need customers. Like who is still at work, right? Like everyone's locked at home, everyone's watching TV and nervous, and the world feel, feels like it's ending. But guess who's still at work? Healthcare workers. Hospitals are full of people at work. All of those people need products. And all of our brand partners who we'd already started relationships with, literally their brick and mortar locations were all shuttered and their businesses were in complete panic mode. And so we realized that we didn't have SOS machines to access, but we knew that the need and the mission of the company still existed. So we said, let's stand up an e-commerce site, which we did like literally in two days. Let's get our brand partners involved and get them to opt in to you know, a two-for-one sort of for sale, for free kind of model. And we stood up a profitable e-commerce site that delivered thousands of products to healthcare workers for free in Boston, New York, and Denver over the course of the pandemic. And so we were actually able to, you know, that North Star, that mission of like, what are we, what are the business that we're trying to achieve? What is the effect on people in the world that we're trying to have? How do we do it without our machines? And we were able to do it profitably, which we're proud of and do it in a way that delivered a huge amount of value for our brand partners who were like, had literally no way of getting their products in front of people and all of a sudden had you know, nurses and healthcare workers and physicians all using their products in a moment of need and having maybe a moment of joy, like per- free period care, a face wipe when you need it, a deodorant, a hair tie, like being able to give those to healthcare workers who were literally going above and beyond and helping like save our country was an incredible moment and I think really the essence of the North Star. That's incredible. Thank you. That's a tough act to follow. <laughs> we sell sunglasses. You got this. You got this. Um, so roadblocks, I think, for our brand, um, you know, kind of stem from um, navigating through ambiguity and fear a little bit, fear of the unknown, things that we haven't done before, um, and 
working really uh, closely with, with my ownership and the leadership team to just instill confidence that this doesn't happen overnight, but we've got this. We have a great strategy, a great plan, an amazing team, best in class, creative. Cannot say enough about design, development, product, our e-com, top to bottom, not just saying that because they're standing there, <laughs> but it's real. Um, and our partners, the partners that we're working with, the people that believe in us are people that do not give that validation to many. Um, when you see the collaborations that we've launched and the more that we'll be launching toward the end of the year and next year, um, so I just have, um, like you talked about your gut, like I just have this gut belief in this brand. I have a gut belief in the strategy. I can see it so clearly. Um, my team knows and they, they know how confident I am in what we're doing. Um, and just instilling that confidence to, to kind of get over the hurdle of fear of the unknown and, and not being able to see the return immediately. And to, you speak to patience and how I say impatience is a virtue in, 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 in our case, but a lot of times it is kind of seeing the goal and knowing that it's not going to happen overnight and continuing to drive confidence within the company and um, putting people on your back and just going. And I think that that is, is how we have, have navigated kind of roadblocks and, and that is our North Star. Wow, thank you so much. And, and just a piggyback on that too, we, we've all said how following these stories, following your gut le led to success stories, right? But it, it doesn't always, I'm sure everyone here has, has had following the gut it's, and you fail. And that's completely okay, right? You learn from it, you gotta get back up and do it again. Because just like, just because the, the project in that specific was a failure maybe, it doesn't mean you're a failure. Um, and so I'm, well o I'm totally okay. Well, my dad told me that. He was trying to make me feel better. Really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I stand by that, right? Um, I'm totally okay to fail if I follow my gut. If you don't follow your gut and you fail, then you're like, oh, well, then I'm mad at myself and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so I'm sure we've all learned that. And that's something I try to strive for. And I think that's true for everyone in this room to relate to. So thank you. Well, we are done with our questions, which we can't thank you guys enough for being here and thank you. offering this incredible wisdom. Um, if you are an active follower to our podcast, we actually, we saved the fun icebreaker question till the end. I don't know, why did we do this? I don't know, just started and we couldn't stop. Yeah, it, so it's a thing. We have a thing. And so um, Ryan, our incredible producer, and we can't thank Ryan and Nick enough for doing all that they do yes. to keep our podcast together. <laughs> this is, this is going to be funny. Um, so I'm going to pass the mic over to Ryan because he is the fun question guy. So thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Um, <laughs> So the funny question tonight is, if you had a warning label, what would that warning label read? You should go first. Mine is, talks a lot, doesn't have volume control, um, and then he thinks after he speaks. That, that's mine. Solid. Yeah. I, that's yeah. solid. Warning. Yeah. Brian. <laughs> All right. Who wants to go first? Mine would be, warning, I am Ted Lasso. <laughs> That's solid. I like how you did that. <laughs> Kelly, do you have one? Oh, okay. Um, well, the first one that came to mind, well, I asked, my, I asked my dad this this morning because he told us the question. And he, I'm like, what would my warning label be? And me and my dad are like, we work together, but we're, yeah. He said, dramatic but stoic. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not a good one. So, I mean, I don't really know. I'm not going to take it. What I would say is probably um, 
don't judge me for the brand name because people say booty and it's like it's so much more because they booty by Ray-Bans and I'm like there's so much more to me than the booty um and don't mistake my kindness for weakness because I I will fight for what I want that is so true all right I can go next um I would say my warning label is probably warning I'll probably talk to you about periods We confirmed this with my family earlier. Um, it was caution does not have a filter. <laughs> oh, I love that. Warning um, may appear to be sunshine and unicorns on the outside, but don't provoke the Latin temper. Ooh. I'm so nervous. I have one for you. Oh, okay, tell me. Okay, Karina's warning overly accessorized. <laughs> In the best way. That's a kind one. I, I feel like mine would be warning, don't fucking get in my way. I am, I am a goal-setting, crazy person, and I will not stop until it's done. So I think that's my warning label. I was going to say, for me, like, talks during movies, so I don't know if that's, like... <laughs> I, I have one for Taylor, and this is the truest one. Warning, Taylor will read you like a book. I was like, this is supposed to be funny. Well, I think they're all true and funny. Well, thank you guys so much for doing this. You have been inspiring, inspirational. I I really, I can't thank you guys enough for your time. And thank thank you you for coming. Yeah, and thank you guys all for coming. I hope you had a great time. And go enjoy, drink, eat. Awesome, thank you. See you next time.